going on? Hey, I love the intros. You know why? Because I just realized I've been married for 15 years. Isn't that great? I literally thought it was 14, but I double-checked it. It is 15. So, um, no, those are great. Um, hey, welcome. Hey, if you don't know here, if this is your first time here, I am not the regular pastor. Um, my name is Zach Halligan. Uh, I've just gone to church here for a long time. And Sean asked me to come preach for two reasons. Uh, one is to just kind of give him a break, and the other is to remind the entire church that there are other books in the Bible besides Matthew. So um, we're going to read from Acts today, actually chapter 3, which this church would get to in about the year 3000, by my math. So we'll jump ahead. I, I think we'll forget by the time Sean gets to it. So uh, we're going to read from Acts chapter 3, but I just got to tell you, like, I've been in church a long time. And um, I've heard a lot of sermons, and I know on December 5th, the first Sunday in December, I know what every pastor is supposed to say in the intro, and that is how much they love Christmas, how much they love the lights, and they love the decorations and everything else. And I gotta be honest with you guys. I usually am like the first guy on the block to get his lights up on his house, and I am very particular about my lights on my house. I'm burnt this year. I'm burnt. I'm done. And I'll tell you why. First of all, because I went to Bymart to get my same lights I get every single year, my C7s, red, orange, white, green, and blue. Because I don't like LED because purple is not a Christmas color. It's not a Christmas color. They didn't have them. Nobody's got enough to cover my whole house because now I got to redo the whole program. So I end up with LED lights. I got them all over my house. It looks like a big purple blob. And usually I do the light. And here's the deal is I couldn't get enough one day at Walmart. And so I had to go back to another Walmart in Salem and get more the next day. And the problem with me is I don't sleep very well when a project is half done. And so I'm up there the next night when it's pouring down rain at 1030 at night. And I went up there that late because my wife fell asleep so she wouldn't know I was up there by myself putting my lights up because I can't go to sleep when I don't get them up. And then I get them up and I hate them. And I said, I'm done. I'm not doing the yard. I'm out. I gave up. And I think sometimes in our, in our walk with God, I think, I think that can happen as well. And we're going to talk about that. So what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Acts chapter 3, and it's the story of Peter John healing a lame man. And we're going to kind of pop off and kind of talk about some different lessons from this that I think are interesting. We're going to try to wrap it all up, and we might even be able to tie it into Christmas a little bit. So we'll see how this goes. So if you want to turn Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter heals the crippled beggar. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at, new, at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a crippled man from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Let's stop there for a minute. This is my first point here. First interesting side note from Zach on this, this message. I think it's interesting where the man went every day. This man had no means of fending for himself in that day and age. There were no safety nets. There was no government programs. There was no computer jobs. 
This man had to have legs to work. This man had to go somewhere to beg. Somebody had to carry him to beg, and I think it's interesting where he went to beg. He went to the temple. Now, there are all some cultural things. It's kind of taboo to be taking money from Gentiles. There's a collection of Jews at the temple, but I do think it's interesting that the one place the man decides to go every single day is the temple, the house of God. Because over and over throughout the Bible, and even in Acts chapter 2, it talks about even how the new church is collecting money and giving it to poor. That this man felt, because you have to understand, this man, he had to go somewhere where somebody was going to decide if he got to eat and live. Does that make sense? If nobody gives this man money, this man's dying. So he thought, where am I going to put my life where I need grace, I need mercy, I need help to make it through every day? He went to the church. And we know throughout history that throughout the Bible, it talks over and over and over again about God's heart for the poor, the broken, the hungry, the sick. Over and over again, we read about the new church and about how they're collecting money, they're selling property to give money to the poor, the hungry, the broken, the homeless. And so here's the small question I have for each and every one of us today. Are you the person on the block that everybody knows they can come to because of your mercy, your grace, your love, your compassion, because we have the same heart as Jesus Christ? Or do our lives look like people who are merciful and graceful and are there to help people when they're in need? Because that's the heart of Jesus and that's what God's called us to do, to have a heart like he does and to love the people and to share God's love to those people. And I bring that up right now, too, is because I think lots of times when we talk about the struggling, the hurting, the homeless, the broken, the poor, I think lots of times it was kind of easy to talk about it because it wasn't always in our backyard. We didn't always see it every day. It was kind of a big city problem. But when I talk about Mom of the Christian Church in this community that we live in, it's in our backyard now. We see it. If you go to Salem, you see it like you've never seen it before. And I don't have an answer today, but I know as Christians, we are called for our heart to break and to have mercy and grace for the hurting, the broken, the addicted, the struggling. And I think the question is, if I was lame and I was broken and I had to go one place to beg, where would it be? And I hope as a Christian who has legs and has the ability to give, I hope somebody thinks Zach's a guy I can go to and he'll help me out. Because I think it's interesting that he went to that place. Let's move on. So where are we? Verse 3 here. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Take him by the right hand, and he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful. 
and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had, had happened. And then it goes on to say that Peter and John set up in a certain place as the crowds gather around them and they begin to preach the gospel. Second note that I think is interesting from this scripture. Um, the man never got what he wanted. Man, man, as far as we know, the man never got what he came to the temple to get. Honestly, I kind of have this picture of the man like running home, you know, like excited, like first time in his life, busting in the door, seeing his wife for the first time. Babe, you're never going to believe what happened. I went to the temple and this guy healed me. I can walk. Look at me. I'm walking. And then she goes, that's great, honey. You got money for groceries? No, no, I didn't. I didn't get that. The man never got what he wanted. But he got so much more than he could ever have bargained for, right? Instead of needing money for that day, he actually has the ability to go out and make money every day. He has the ability to be like everybody else. I can just imagine the man picking up and carrying the guys that carried him there every day and said, let me carry you home for once. The amazing gift that he was given, and it reminds me so much, I think the lesson in that is so much about how God cares for us, he loves us, and over and over and over again, he tells us what? Not to worry about the things of this world. Not to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, the clothes we're going to wear, but that God will take care of us. God will provide for us. God has something better for us. And that does not mean we're not going to suffer. But God truly loves us and cares for us. And he tells us not to worry about things because the reality is in the long run, in the eternity, God has something better in store for us than even we can think of. That man thought his need that day was money. That's all he needed. He just needed money, but God had so much more for him in store. Just like in so many of our lives, when we trust God, he has so much more for us in life. And on the flip side of the man, we see Peter and John living this out in their own lives. Think about that for a minute. Peter and John had the same amount of money as this guy had. They had nothing. He had, they had nothing to give him. They were in the same financial situation as this man was, but Peter and John living a life of total faith, living out, making, showing us what it looks like not to worry about the clothes they wear or the food they eat, that they were going out to share this love of Jesus Christ. And I think it's a beautiful picture that so, much, that so many times there's so many things in this world that we spend our time worrying about. And when we put our full trust in God, that he just has so much more in store for us. And it's an amazing picture. And I think the other interesting thing about this, this, uh, this passage is this, is that, uh, um, like I said, Peter didn't have any money. But he gave what he could, right? That's what he said. He said he gave what he could. He gave him, and what he could is pretty amazing. Like, it's like, yeah, Zach, I can't, I don't have money, but I also can't make people walk who are lame. It's true. But he gave him what he could. He told him to look at him, and he gave him the gift of God. And I think what we all understand about this passage is this, is that that man's ability to walk, 
is not the greatest gift that Peter and John gave him, right? But it's the gift of Jesus Christ in the eternity. Because that man had struggled all his life not being able to walk. But you know what the bottom line is? The reality of it is Peter and John's life was a struggle the rest of their life too. Their life was hard. But they knew that Jesus, the, this birth of Jesus, this, this gift of Jesus Christ was so much greater. And that this earth is fading, it's fleeting, it's passing, it's going to be painful, it's going to be hard. But they have an eternity to spend with Jesus. And them spreading that message, that's the gift. But he gave them what they could. And not only did he give that man, I think it's important not to forget that after this, they took the time and they spread the message of Jesus Christ with all those people that saw what had happened. And here's the thing. You're like, yeah, Zach, of course, they're the apostles, right? Of course they preached. But here's the thing. I think this is very minute and it can get overlooked but I think it's probably one of the most applicable things about this passage to our everyday lives. Peter and John went to the church, the temple to pray. There was three prayer times during the day at nine and noon and three. They went to pray. They healed this man, caused total chaos, and ended up preaching the gospel for who knows how long at the temple. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't, if I spent three more hours preaching at church after we're done here, you know how mad my wife would be at me because there's about six things we missed out on that I was supposed to do. It's not just that they performed a miracle. Think about the time that it took for them to go through and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they saw an opportunity, because God created an opportunity through a miracle for more people to know Jesus Christ. And how many times do I pass up on that opportunity because I got something else I got to do? Peter and John gave what they could, and it's real easy to look at this scripture and say, you know what? Yeah, like I can't heal anybody. Like, yeah, of course, Peter and John did, they're apostles. But that's not everything they did. They took time and they said, here's an opportunity where God showed himself to these people. I'm going to take time out of my day to explain it to these people. And I can imagine like John sitting there like Peter, like, like just because he's looking at the beggar and, Peter, and John just going, Peter, don't you heal him. Don't you heal him. We got stuff we got to do after we pray. Think about that. And I know it sounds funny, but how many times are we like that? Babe, don't stop and help that guy. We got to get the kids to something. Don't stop. Don't stop. We got to get to something. I know that man just needs gas or he needs a little money or he needs a little food or he needs a little time. Stop talking to that person after church. I know they got problems, babe, but we got to go. How many times do we do that? How many times does that neighbor come over and just maybe want somebody to talk to, but you're so hurried because you, you got to be 10 minutes early to your kid's practice? How many times do we do that? And I think that's the thing about the story is Peter and John gave what they could. Which wasn't just a miracle. Because that was God. But they gave their time and their energy. And the thing about it is the why. The why of this passage. And I think this is what I, what I think is so interesting and kind of like stuck out to me and we'll see if you see the connection or not. But... 
This man's life to me, in the culture he lived in where he had no use of his legs, he was totally dependent on other people. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't even get to the place to beg without other people carrying him there. And the kind of pain and darkness, physical darkness that man lived in until Peter and John came along and through God showed him the light and the power of really living, right? That he could be like everywhere else. For once, he had the ability to help somebody else. I got to imagine all the times that man got carried, he probably just thought, if there's just one time I could do something for these guys that carry me here every single day. And finally, Peter and John brought him out of that, God brought him out of that darkness, and he saw the light, and he had that ability. But the thing is, what he really did was share Jesus Christ with him. He was able to show him the light and brought him out of the spiritual darkness. It says in Isaiah 9, when Isaiah is preaching the coming of Jesus, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And by Peter and John taking the time to preach the gospel, they showed this light in a dark world to so many people because of an opportunity that showed them. And the thing is, this is a dual-sided story where you have the, 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 the lame man and there's lessons to be learned from his healing, the great power that healed God and how much God loves this man that he would provide him that mercy. But it's also a story of people who understand the light and the gift that the that Jesus Christ being born on this earth and then sacrificing it, being sacrificed and then raised again, what that sacrifice does to your life and how it changes your life. So I'll say this this morning, first of all, if you have never heard this before, that there is a God that loves you, he loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you, that you may be forgiven, that you may have eternal life, that there's a gift of eternal life, and it's not based on a bunch of actions you do, but it's based on God loving you. I encourage you to talk to somebody today. I encourage you to talk to somebody today. Find somebody, me, somebody in the back, somebody. But I'll say this, for a lot of us in this room, who've been shown the light a long time ago, where the light's been shown into our dark life a long time ago. I think sometimes we get like me with my Christmas lights. We get a little burnout. We kind of forget the reason we do it. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for my kids. They like the lights. They like this. But sometimes I get a little too selfish, and I just I don't want to do it. When we see the light and we believe the gift, I think sometimes we read these stories about the apostles and the, the, the disciples and all these great people, the things they do, and we say, well, we can't do that. We can give a lot of what they gave because a lot of what they gave was time. And that's sometimes what we're not always willing to give. I think I heard a pastor, was just, this was always one of the most simplest, profound things I'd ever heard about the disciples in general. And, and it was that if you saw, like if Jesus, what Jesus did was real, right? If that was real, that happened, and you were a disciple, and you saw all of that, 
How could you keep your mouth shut about it? How could you? How could you not go out and tell everybody when you saw all this craziness and healings and resurrection from the dead and all this craziness, like how could you keep that to yourself? And I guess this is my point is this, is that if we believe all of this, if we believe all of this, that God truly came down and sent his son and that son brought light into our dark world, that we are truly saved for eternity, how do we keep it to ourselves? And here's the thing. This is a story of being shown the light or showing the light to others and the amazing thing, the amazing power that that can have, but it's also a story of what living in the light looks like because we see a story when we start truly believing that and we say, no, I believe this. This is true. I have eternal life. And what that means and how that transforms our body and how that transforms our mind, how that transforms our actions, where we start, people see us and they know. They're saying, I am poor. I am hungry. I, like, I'm going to die and I know who will help me. Zach will help me because he's a follower of God. I see it in his life. We start seeing You start giving what you can, not really, you don't know what you have. You start trusting in God. You don't worry about the things of today because you believe in this light. You believe in a God that loves you, that takes care of you, and all these things. And our lives start looking like what it does when you believe in the light. I love, you know, one more point about this man is this. It's like a lot of healings in the Bible, you know, they reach out and they touch Jesus' garment. And they're saved because of their faith, right? The man did one thing in this scripture. All he did was look at Peter and John. Remember, Peter and John said, look at me. And the man looks at them. And it reminds me so much of the the verse from Hebrews where it says this. It says this. Um... Am I the only one that hears a beeping? Okay, I'm sorry. I was like, is it my phone? It's okay. It's okay, like, if it happens to you guys. But it can't be. If you're preaching, like, you can't have your phone go off. That's a bad look. I thought it was like, Zach, get off the stage. Got one more passage to read. Hebrews chapter 12, 2, it says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross. And so as that man looked into Peter and John's eyes, filled with the Holy Spirit, and God saved him through that, and he was shown this light out of the darkness. And as Christians who we say we've seen the light a long time ago, don't get sidetracked. Don't get caught up in this world Try not to get burnt out, but fix your eyes on Jesus. Remember that light. Remember the power. and Remember the power it can have. Because that's when our stars' lives start changing. That's when people around us' lives start changing. Especially as we enter this season where we celebrate this. We celebrate that Jesus did come down for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus. We see the opportunities. We take advantage of the opportunities. And we don't miss them. 